Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I'm excited to welcome Megan Onan to the TNT mic today. She is an award-winning author, keynote speaker, and vulnerable storytelling expert. She's the author of three books, including her new one that will be coming out in April called Held and Free. She is going to be sharing her journey in leadership and focusing on mission-focused organizations, including speaking, and just tips all the way around how we can humanize our leadership so in turn we are all better leaders for ourselves and for those around us. Enjoy this conversation. Be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts and look for the video on YouTube. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am super excited today. We have, uh, well, fitness fam and collegiate sports fam in the house. We've got Megan Onan to come into the TNT mic. I'm going to read her bio, but then we are going to jump in. We already have uh, female athlete vibes happening, so we want to include you guys in this conversation. We're going to cover a lot today. Uh, Megan talks about mission-focused organizations. You know on Turmeric and Tequila, we talk about mission-driven humans. So leadership, influencers, business, sports, it's all going to come out today. Here is Megan's 411. Megan Onan is an award-winning author, keynote speaker, and vulnerable storytelling expert. She is the author of the award-winning book, Creating Your Heaven on Earth, and Courage, Agreeing to Disagree is Not Enough. Megan has spoken to thousands of people at live events since 2008. Megan is passionate about creating creating deeper connections through speaking workshops and through her executive speaking her executive speaker coaching. Her approach is unique in that she uses storytelling as a way to overcome differences and generate healing. For the last decade, she has been a significant voice for the LGBTQ community in Mississippi. Megan, welcome to Tumor and Tequila. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're going to jump right in. Um, I want to hear, I always ask my guests, like, tell us a little bit about the beginning. We started to talk about this before we jumped on the mic, but give us yeah. a little uh, background about young Megan and kind of how we got to where we are today. Oh my gosh. I mean, the quick version. Like, go way back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> young Megan was a very competitive, very hard-headed, very stubborn uh, little girl. I mean, I yeah. had, you know, I told you I had two brothers. They pushed me to the max as an athlete and as a person. Um, and I guess I developed like this ability to just deal with any situation. And, but I was also a very spiritual child. So I would ask my mom, like all the hard questions, like when I die and time ends, what does that mean? Like, what is the unknown about? And I would like, could feel the bigness and the vastness of who I was, but I didn't know what to do with it. And she didn't know what to do with me. So I had a lot going on, a lot of questions. I was raised Catholic and I wasn't getting the answers I wanted in church. And I definitely didn't feel like I fit in spiritually anywhere being in Mississippi. And then later on, as I got older, I realized I was gay and then I didn't fit in in that area. So I always just kind of felt like I was out of place, except in athletics. That was the one place where I felt like I fit, where yeah. I could just be myself and I could perform and I could, you know, use all of my personality to really 
dive in and be who I am. And so sports played a major, major role in the confidence I have today. And it's probably the one thing that really got me through all the tough times of coming out and all of the hard stuff that came along with that and just being different spiritually and not fitting into the culture here and seeing things so different from all of my peers. Yeah. So it, it was definitely the one thing that, that helped me with my confidence and self-esteem moving forward. I really don't know what I would have done without it. So a huge piece. Uh, yeah. We talk about a lot of life skills through sports <clears throat> and I'm such an advocate, particularly for my young women, but for my young guys too, or anyone non-binary, like all my young people getting into sports because it is those life skills early on learning to get along with people, being on time, mm -hmm. remembering your Jersey. I don't know if you have any nightmare stories from college where you like lose your Jersey or your playbook all or the like, time. yeah, <laughs> you feel like you're going to die. Um, yes. But it's, it's our collegiate athletes. I mean, it is so much pressure and you're such a young human, but man, you get thrust into these adult yeah. roles and you're yeah. playing with your heart it's super super vulnerable space yeah. uh to go out there and compete and be i don't think you you're as conscious when you're younger like you go out there and you lose in front of everyone you can win in front of everyone but yeah. you can fall down like you gotta pick i mean it's such vulnerable space but it's such powerful skills when you're young to to get back up and and let the world see you like you don't really know that but a lot of people yeah. are watching um was there yeah, any you, like the you learn to fail well right yes yeah yeah and how to well, deal with it and 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 again managing the business like we had to yeah. do obviously our schoolwork but volunteer stuff we had study hall hours and there's just mm -hmm. a lot in it do you still yeah. did you after college were you diligent about keeping sports or something competitive in your life yeah i did <laughs> which is really funny so i played um, basketball and softball at Mississippi State. And then I went to graduate school at Mississippi State and I tacked on another year because I had switched sports the year before and it gave me an extra year of eligibility. Nice. So I went to graduate school while playing softball. And then after I left that, I went to Florida State. I decided to go get another degree because I didn't know what else to do with my life. <laughs> and uh, I ended up playing rugby, oh, wow. which was really hard. Yeah. And it was a huge, I still wanted to be competitive. So I played like, you know, um, what do you call it? Club ball, club yeah. basketball at Florida state, <laughs> but rugby was a whole nother level. It was very serious thing at Florida state. And yeah, I, a lot of injuries, a lot of nose breaks. Um, and it was definitely a very, very tough transition <laughs> sport wise. Yeah. But, um, after that, I have always been active. So I'll play pickup basketball, I'll play tennis, I run, I work out. Yeah, you know, always want to be a part of something athletic. Yeah. Well, you need yeah. somewhere to channel that competitive energy. I found CrossFit, thankfully, after college, um, like two or three years, but I, I felt like I was wandering because I was like, I gotta compete and like business lights the fire and you can compete a little bit there, but it's just not the same for me. No, it's um, not. as my body gets older and and I'm sick of getting beat up, we're starting to get more into the business competitive. But it's it's interesting. And if you were able to play, if you were one of those that could do your collegiate sport and then go to a different sport, you must have been a really good athlete because there was I think I knew one other girl that did that, but almost nobody can do that because they're that competitive team. So you must have actually been legit. I guess you can, you can brag. Yeah, you could say you could say absolutely. Um, the biggest one I'm curious for you, the biggest draw that I got from all these experience were my friendships and like yeah. these other really committed varsity humans. Um, like we party, we play, but man, when it was business time, it was business time and we yeah. bled the cause. Like we really were like yeah. so emotionally invested in like that's to this day, you go to battle with your your teammates and it's just stuff you don't forget. Do you keep up with any of those humans that were in your athletic past? 
Absolutely. Even yeah. from other sports, not just yeah. people that, you know, we were all kind of this cohesive unit at Mississippi state. And I mean, even just this year, I had one of the track athletes that I went to school with and one of the football players, they've come and stayed and hung out in our guest house. And so it, those kinds of things are always happening because you just build those relationships and it, yeah. and athletes understand athletes. And so, but I did go through a hard time of when I did come out and I lost a lot of friendships. Um, and a lot of those were with some of my teammates, which was super unfortunate. So there is a little bit of heartbreak around that for me too, but the people who have stayed in my life and who have supported me and have been a fellow athlete in the past, those are bonds. You just, yeah, they just don't go away. Yeah. I agree. They're right on time. It's, um, I think as you get older though, and if some people do filter out, it's heartbreaking and yet it's kind of okay. I think I, at least I've learned, you know, often less is more because you only have so much time and energy and like you really totally. want the quality versus the quantity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, people come in your life, a reason, a season or a lifetime. So if it starts to fizzle yeah. out, it's not all a loss. It was just probably served its purpose. And then um, 100% totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, and I always say, and like kind of, you're saying you're attributing that sports had saved you into safe space. I couldn't agree more. I just loved to compete. And I was away from, I was 2000 miles away from my family. I was from Colorado and went out East to George Mason in Virginia. So I was kind of on an Island, but I immediately had this lacrosse family, um, that, that, like they embrace you, but we, we really did just kind of have to be each other's family. And then obviously yeah. as we graduated, we stayed in touch, but I loved like, once we got there it was such an equalizer, you didn't know who was a millionaire or who had no money or sexual orientation, but like, we didn't know anything and we didn't yeah. care. Like it was just so yeah. business time. It was such an equalizer. Did you feel like that was similar for your experience? Yeah. I mean, in general, definitely yeah. it was, it, you know, I kind of felt feel for kids who come to college without that network. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I can't imagine what I would have done without being put back into like a, a team atmosphere. You, you know, you're automatically, automatically included. You're automatically accepted. You all are there for a common purpose and mission and vision. And there's just nothing like it. It's really special to go to college with, with a team already a family yeah. already set for you. And so I, I felt very lucky to have had you know, those experiences, especially going from one team to the next and continuing Absolutely. to have that, but only sports can provide that, you know? Yeah. Well, there's no, there's nothing that can buy or purchase or recreate those uh, bonds or that opportunity to connect. So I always tell my kiddos, I'm like, it's hard to get into college and it's hard to get into a, like a, a team, even if it's, yeah. you know, club or whatever, but especially like the higher and like D one super competitive teams, it's hard, but man, if you can do it, if you can hang in there, it is, it's, it's magic. And you get four to five years. I was actually yeah. a red shirt athlete. I tore my ACL my sophomore year, but the fifth oh, okay. year was long, um, <laughs> but, but it was, it's magic. So, uh, I don't know. You're here. This is uh, Megan and I's PSA to go out there and go play a sport and see if you can play. In college <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I know. But okay, <laughs> enough about sports. Well, I think it's very indicative. And like I said, um, God, universe, Madonna, whatever you believe that prepares you for things early on, even if you're not ready for it to do bigger things. And I, I'm, I'm curious, yeah. you know, as you spoke to tons of people in front of big audience, I think it's different than like stepping into the arena and competing for me anyways. And I've done a, a chunk of speaking, certainly not on your level, but I get that same adrenaline. So it's almost like, I, yes. like some of those sports have prepared me. Do you, do you find that for you? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I love it so much. I mean, it is a huge adrenaline rush and I actually really like working just in any team dynamic just yeah. because I love the adrenaline of bringing people together and making things work and finding solutions. It's just in my blood, but yeah, getting on stage and speaking and the preparation. I mean, I feel like I'm going to throw up every time I go out on stage, but <laughs> yeah. you know, by the time it's done, I'm like, that was the best thing that I ever did. I so you know, it's, it's a total blast, but I, I do want to say that that transition from college and being a part of a team to finding myself and who I was outside of playing sports was really, really tough. Yes. And, you know, getting into the speaking space and writing space was quite hard in the beginning because it was just so different, you know, it was a different kind of, you know, you don't have that team there supporting you. You have to go create your own team and, you know, it's just a totally different vibe and feel, but that transition point, I think is really hard for a lot of athletes, especially very competitive, high level athletes to just like move from this, this kind of cushion in a way, this family, and then go out into the world and then create something totally different. So you have to find a way to utilize that same, um, you know, that driven attitude, that motivation, that thing that's internal for most athletes and, and find an avenue for it. So that transition was really hard for me, but yeah. once I found it, it was like, okay, let's go. Well, I think this is an important piece and I'm glad you brought this up because that pivot factor is really critical. And I think when you, anytime in life, when you lose your identity, I've talked, I mean, obviously I'm amongst a lot of athletes even still to this day. Uh, but we, and we talk about kind of like that breakdown breakthrough of like, all of a sudden you're this I, you know, athlete and you've got this family and you're, you know, you're George Mason apparel and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden right. it's over. But I yeah. think a lot of people can identify Hard. with that with, you know, divorce or you leave your church or whatever. Do you yeah. have any good um, steps from your own experience of like how you navigated that pivot? Gosh. Um, I feel like the thing that was best for me was telling the stories and really diving into um, what the experiences were and acknowledging and accepting things as they were and as they actually are in the moment. Um, because if you can't accept what has happened and you can't accept what is, then I think it's really hard to move forward. And I, I know um, I've kind of made a career out of, out of storytelling and that's a big part of my passion is like sharing our stories is such a huge way to pivot and move into something different or to shift or to see things from a different lens or perspective. And it, you know, creates connections. And there's so many beautiful things about sharing your stories and sharing of yourself that I feel like looking back on my life and all the pivots I've had to make, that was the one thing that really helped me accept things as they, as they were and to then see something different. And it would just help me clarify what that next step might be. So that's, Looking back, that's the thing that's been the most effective for me. I love that. And I think, man, it's right on time for 2023 because we have this old school kind of like archaic way of leading people and leadership in general. I think it's this yeah. very stoic, disconnected, like military type thing. And I can even remember like some of my experience with my coaches where it's like, damn, I'm a human. Like, I'm, I remember I was yeah. like, I mean, I was the only kid that was 2000 miles away and a plane ran late because of a snowstorm and my whole team ran. Cause like, I was like two minutes late coming from the airport, like something yeah. pretty brutal. And it wasn't like I was hung over in the bathroom and I couldn't get to practice. Like what, you know, so it's stuff like that, where I think in 20 years, since I've been a kiddo in college, I, you're starting to see more of these humanistic, humanized, um, leadership qualities 
stories and coming through and you see coaches more as, as human. So I think you're right on time because I think that storytelling piece, not only is it vulnerable, it provides ethos and credibility in that you've walked in it. And I think people as a, as a leader and as a follower can identify with that and mm -hmm. connect. And I think that changes the way they want to follow and be inspired by you. Um, have you seen that personally, like from your coaching experience and being coached to how things are uh, now mm -hmm. in, in your current Absolutely. coaching? Yeah. And I've worked with a lot of corporate leaders. So I'm seeing that shift in that space and it's yeah, these leaders, they want to be vulnerable, but they don't know how to be right. You know, so they end up coming to me and saying like, well, you know, what can, what can we do here? Like, how do I shape my story so that I'm not telling too much, but I'm telling enough that it opens doors and it builds bridges. And so, yeah, there's a total shift in the corporate space for sure. Where CEOs or leaders in that space are a little bit unsatisfied with the models and the way they have been. And so they're really, you know, it's being shaken up. COVID changed things. Mm -hmm. And now people aren't satisfied with their jobs and they're wanting something more. And so leaders are having to adjust. There's a lot of crisis management going on. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the only way to attack it is to just hear your employees. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you have to be able to speak up as the leader and share who you are and your struggles and what you've been through so that you can connect with the people who are around you, your teams, doesn't matter who it is within your organization. So that forward movement can be, you know, can, can start happening until we hear each other. I mean, what more can we do? Right. So even a, a leader of, you know, a speaker agency now, and I have teams underneath me, it is so important to me in every meeting that we have, that if I notice that someone is off, I will contact them outside of that meeting and say, how are you? I noticed that you weren't yourself today. Can I help? Can I support you? And just acknowledging and giving people the space to just be human, right? Yeah. I mean, we all go through yeah. shit. Yeah. And we got stuff that we got to deal with every day. That's tough. Absolutely. So I think just creating those spaces and just paying attention and being willing to be vulnerable with your teams and the people around you is just a really great way to um, show your humanness and, and build connection with other people. Amen. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's really hard to take that initial step and do something that like leaders you have had yeah. probably have never done that done yeah. before. But I think people forget that these are days of our lives. The only finite resource is time. Make all the money you want, do whatever. You're, if you're living it miserably disconnected, wearing all this armor and kind of dredging through your leadership, something's wrong and you're wasting, agree, yeah. you know, a daylight's burning. So we might as well cut to the chase, get to the human side and, and get real because we're all, I mean, we're, both spending our time equally, whether you make a million dollars and I make 50 bucks, it doesn't really matter. We're spending the same amount of time together collectively yeah. trying to work towards something. So if we're uncomfortable in it, it's, it's a waste of everybody's time. And that goes to productivity and more importantly, mental health. That's more mm -hmm. of a conversation ever. We're, we're going from, you know, people quitting or, you know, high employer turnover to conversations around suicide or mass shootings. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's really heavy conversation and that's a whole other podcast, but, um, the, the <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting that, yeah, no, it is. And it's happening. Like I, mm -hmm. we have one of our agents on our, on our team who has been in the construction industry and the construction industry has a really high suicide rate. Mm -hmm. And so we're developing programs within our agency to help tackle, to help tackle that and, and provide resources and send our talent in to to give um, talks and do some consulting and all of that. I mean, these are very real things that are happening and we have to pay attention and they're conversations that we have to have. Yeah. So, I mean, 
it's just, it's a part of where we are in this moment in time. Absolutely. And I think anytime you can connect with somebody, even if it's like a cup of coffee or just checking in just the, the mere fact, like you said, of acknowledging, like being seen and being heard. I, I always think we're, especially as like, you know, competitive athletes or cerebral humans or academics, we're seeking for the hard answer because we want it to be the most. And a yeah. lot of times I think those answers are simple. Like, listen, I agree. ask, you know, yeah. take a minute. Connect. Yeah. Connect, connect, yeah. connect. I mean, that's what we all need. I've noticed even, I think COVID really brought this home for me because, you know, just being home all the time, but now I live in such, we live in such a virtual world. All of our work is mm -hmm. worldwide now. And I, I can tell by Wednesday afternoon that I need to be around actual humans in person. Yeah. And if not, I start to kind of spiral. Like yeah. I need that, even though I would consider myself more of an introvert when it comes to like how I take care of myself. But when it, when I go long enough without actual human connection, it really affects me. Absolutely. So, you know, especially those deep connections, those real conversations, those being with people who, who are willing to understand you and get you, it's just so important for our mental health. Absolutely. I don't know if you've heard of blue zones, but as a fellow athlete, it's super fascinating. It's, um, I can't remember the name of the guy or the organization, but they study the different zones around the world where people, there's the most centurions, people that live to be a hundred. And there was like eight characteristics of, of their well being. It was like nutrition, spirituality, community, um, uh, Oh, I can't even remember, like staying out of the daylight, like all obvious health things, but like the community and the spirituality were like two really big ones because mm -hmm. we are in, innately as human beings, yeah. we need community. And then it's important, like in down to our health and our existence to believe into something bigger, however you brand it. Right. Um, but it was, yeah. it's fascinating. So it kind of, That's awesome. I mean, <laughs> we're, we all need it and there's like the science to show it. So, um, yeah. it's it, who it's we really are. Cool. Yeah, I it mean, is. It is it's just who we are. <laughs> So in this pivot piece, you know, we're athletes, we're, we're used to having coaches when you guys were, when you were starting to like kind of pivot into letting go be, I hate saying right, retired athlete. Cause my heart doesn't even still want to admit it to this day, but not being competitive anymore. Yeah. Um, did you seek out a coach then? Like, was that kind of your natural go-to to get like therapy or life coaching or whatever it was to kind of transition that period? I did. I did see a therapist for a while, uh, for several years. I saw one here while I was finishing up graduate school um, at Mississippi state. And then I saw another one. Uh, I eventually went to Florida state and then to, um, my, I lived in Miami for a while. And so I ended up seeing a therapist there. And then once I moved to Colorado, I lived in Fort Collins for a while. I had many coaches that I worked with. So I've always wanted that mentorship Yeah, and have want, had this huge, just, you know, desire to learn and, and be a better version of myself. And now my teacher is my four-year-old. There you go. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Yep. Uh, I do have full faith in our young humans because I think they're just doing things so much better. I'm not around a lot of four-year-olds, but um, some of the 20-year-olds that sometimes seem like four-year-olds are pretty wise in what they're doing. And just, I mean, they've had to digest so much of the world earlier than I did and they're facing Absolutely. heavier things. Early. It's like they just see a lot, uh, mm -hmm. but they're okay. And I asked intentionally about like therapy and, and coaching because I think for, again, as athletes, we're used to, that's a very normal thing for us. There's always someone better than us telling us what to do essentially, right. but we're, we're eager to learn. I, and I just want to continue to work to normalize the idea of getting a coach, getting a therapist, getting somebody that can help you navigate stuff. Cause it's just right. like athletes. I mean, it's, it's mental fitness. Like you go in there, get coached and get yep. it right. Yeah. I mean, hard things happen to all of us mm -hmm. and we all have to find a way to process those and deal with them. And we all handle them differently. Absolutely. So it's almost impossible. I think to, to get through something without help. 
from someone. Completely agree. At and least it, someone to talk to. Absolutely. And it can it just streamline the process. You yeah. can just it it navigates things so much quicker. Yeah. Um, so you got so we graduated, we started to pivot into other sports. Where what point were you like, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna be a speaker? Like I'm just gonna embrace all this and put it on put it on show and and make it a thing. Was there a light bulb that went off? It's like I I'm a speaker. I always wanted to be a speaker and writer. Okay. Like ever since I was little. Like I knew that's what I wanted, but I remember at some point I told my parents that and they were like, well, how are you going to make money? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I better go get a degree, you know, yeah. like, and so I got three and none of them I use. Um, so it was just something I always knew I wanted. And I was actually working a job there in Fort Collins. I was working for the state of Colorado. And I just was like, this is so not me. Like I don't work for other people. It's just not yeah. me. I'm a creative soul. I have to go explore this and in 2008, I quit my job and that was the last nine to five or eight to five that, that I've had. Everything else has just been, you know, me grinding and working hard and getting out there. And when my wife and I moved here, um, back here in 2010, we, we started our own businesses and just grew our businesses and created this really beautiful life. And I'm so proud of us for sticking with our hopes and dreams and what we wanted, because I think people get into business or entrepreneurship and they think, Oh, it's going to happen overnight. And it's, it's a grind, you know, Absolutely. you, you got to keep it up. You got to stick with it. It stays yeah. a grind. Yep. It stays a grind. It never ends. Once you think you have something figured out, it's probably not figured out. Right, <laughs> so, right. um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. I, I'm so glad that I took that leap. I had absolutely no money. We came to Mississippi with a hundred dollars that someone gave us. It wasn't even our money. And we've just made a life that I'm really proud of. That's amazing. Well, I think that, um, again, that early skill set, it just like you go on the floor, you, you know, tip off happens and you just play and you just compete and there's no hard plan. Even if you have a plan, I love my kiddos that are like, well, in 10 years, I'm gonna do this. I'm like, okay, great. Let me know. Call me in five and let me know how close you are to that hard 10 year plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, but things are shifting so much, but you just got to show up and compete. But like when you were saying, every time you go to speak, you still get nervous and you feel sick. I don't mm -hmm. think, I mean, I think every athlete is part masochist. Like, I don't think if it wasn't hard, we would enjoy it. Like, I almost think we, I agree, it, you know, like you gotta have that challenge. Yeah. Like, the harder it is. And the more I'm involved in the happier I am. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's tumor against kill. It's the, the devil and the angel. It's like this balancing thing, because if it was easy, we'd have complacency and that's the devil. That is oh, just like horrible. It's the yeah. worst feeling in the world. Have you had to navigate in any of that? Like I've gone, oh, I'm yeah. one of those where I go so hard and then I'm so burned out. Like my adrenals are tapped, my brain's shutting off and it's like universe is like, okay, enough. Um, and then I have to slowly ramp up, but have you slipped into mediocrity or, or anything like that at times just cause you were tapped out? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I would say multiple times, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and for me, it's like, okay, you know, I'm a quick learner. I get through things really fast. And then I'm like, okay, well that's done. Now what, what's next? And then I don't want to sit in that, like what's next space and like wait for the clarity, you know? And so that's where this, the torture mentally comes for me is like not being willing to be okay with that space in between yeah. everything. And so I've worked really hard on that over the years, just being an athlete. It's like, you know, you want to go, 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 go. And you don't want to sit in that space in between. And my parents have been just absolute hard workers their entire lives. They don't sit still. So learning to sit in that space and wait for clarity and see what's next 
has, has been a challenge, but it's been, you know, a really good challenge for me to practice taking care of myself and being okay when things aren't going 120, you know, miles per hour. Yeah. Nothing's as hard as it is to be still, but yes, yeah. I'm so with you. I've had to learn yeah. to just take a breath and sit there. I'm, okay. I'm getting back into art. Cause I'm usually even better oh, doing cool. like a little something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cause the still is, you know, the gerbil's running 200 miles yeah. an hour on, on the wheel. Um, but, but it is, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. It's important to slow down. And I think, I, and tell me if this is true for you as a leader, like, I mean, I was the oldest of four. So before sports, anything, like I always had this internal pressure to like take care of my brothers or be the leader or something that kind of still yeah. flicks on in my brain of like, if I'm slipping and I'm getting casual in my training or a business support or whatever, it's like, you need to like, let's go. Like we got like that leader button never really shuts off in the best way. Did you kind of identify with that? Totally. Especially, yeah. you know, having a team that, I'm somewhat responsible for mm -hmm. and how they approach their work and how they approach their lives. You know, that kind of pressure keeps me motivated, which is why I love working with teams. And, but yeah, I think that's always there. And even just being a mom in my or, family, unit, say, you know, yeah. it's that's, if anything pushes me, it's that it's for that sure. constantly, like, how can I be better at this so that I don't mess her up? <laughs> you know? well, the generation, I have dogs, I don't have kids, but, um, and I'm definitely one of those dog moms. It's way over the top. Uh, so I do try and be conscious in that, but it's, it's crazy to think that our kiddos nowadays didn't grow up like us. So they're mm -hmm. exposed to so much, but on the flip side, I did all the coaching therapies, things, training, core values that my parents didn't do. So sometimes I worry, I'm like, well, shoot, I'm not that crazy. But maybe I know too much to raise a human. Like maybe there's <laughs> too many things that we're throwing at this kid that's zero years old that doesn't need to do core values. I don't know. Do you feel like sometimes like, cause you have such a wealth of information and experience is like, do you get overwhelmed trying to do all of it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It is the, the point of conversation with my wife most days and it's like, okay. okay, cause we have a lot going on. We have a real estate investment company. I'm, you know, the chief success officer at a speaker's agency and I have my brand and my speaking in my books and she has her own practice. She's yes. an acupuncturist and I help her run that. So it's get it. We have stuff. Yeah. Some days it's just, it doesn't all get done. And, and yeah. that's been the hardest thing for me is just like, shut it off. It's okay to shut it off pick it up tomorrow. It's not going to yeah. all get done tomorrow either. And yeah. you just do the best you can, but you have to, for me, it's like, where, where's the balance? You know, what are my priorities? My family's my priority. If my daughter's not getting her one-on-one -on -one time with me, we all suffer, mm -hmm. you know? So it's that balance is always really, really tough. Yeah. Um, so I, and I don't have all the answers that's for sure, but I definitely am always looking at that in, in trying to better myself to have that balance. Cause I don't want to get burned out. I don't want to be so stressed that, you know, I need, you know, need to go into the hospital, you yeah. know? So I try to be really careful with that. It, well, I say this a lot. Cause I know from experience, like my varsity humans, my mission driven people, however we call ourselves, we're going to fix it. We're going to train more. We're going to learn it. We're going to do this. We're going to control it until it's controlling us. And we're in the hospital or something yeah. like it's this very 
hard thing because there really is no such thing for balance um, yeah. <laughs> until I get my turmeric in in my tequila uh, brand. So that'll be coming at you guys at some point. Um, but it's there's there's I mean there's no such thing really as balance. Do you have any like tips or go tos that when you have like that awareness of like I'm totally imbalanced that you go to and you kind of re um, check in and, and and try and seek some sort of balance? If I'm at that point, I definitely know I need time alone. So like if I'm unsure and think, and I feel a little frazzled, I know that the thing I need is to just be quiet, which is, you know, like you said, uncomfortable, but it's the only thing for me is just like, go outside, be quiet, get some, you know, like take a deep breath. Then I can see things clearly. And then I know what to do. Cause one day my daughter may be like, mommy, I want to spend time with you. The next day she wants to go be with her friends or, you know, so I try to pay attention to the needs of others that are in my family too. So it's not just me, Yeah. but, but ultimately spending time with myself is really the only thing that will give me that sense of clarity and peace and connecting to myself spiritually. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people um, see that as selfish and I had a really good coach, an interesting coach. Uh, I don't know if she was like a life coach. I'm not sure what the brand was, but coach in general. And it was super effective. It was very forward thinking. Um, <clears throat> and she would, it was a married woman and she goes, my favorite person to hang out with is me. And I was sitting there like, okay, well, I'm a confident semi-vein animal coming off of, you know, collegiate sports and CrossFit and whatever. And um, I sat there and I'm like, God, that's kind of, that's an intense comment. But then the more I understood it, um, I got it. She would go on camping trips by herself. And she's like, I love my husband. I love what I do, but like, I love me and I love my time with me. There's no one I'd rather yeah. hang out with than me. And it took me a while to understand that, but I really yeah. think every human should embrace that because you yeah. got to continue to get to know yourself. Is that how your kind of alone time goes? Yeah. And, and my wife and I are really big on supporting each other in that. So like okay. I'll send her away for a weekend or she'll send me away for a weekend so that we can have a break and just, and just, you know, exist and breathe and like, yeah process life, you know, process all the things that are happening around us. If I can't have that time to process. Like I will have a, you know, I will eventually break down and cry and, and get to that point where it's just, I have to take a day off or take yeah. two days off or whatever. So we are a really good support system for each other in that way, where I can say you're clearly stressed or she can say, you're clearly stressed. You need some time to go like, just go be by yourself, you know, just go outside, get yourself 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you need. And so I'm very fortunate to have that because sometimes I'm not really good at looking at my reflection and seeing what I need. Absolutely. So she's, she's super helpful, especially since having a kid, it's made it even more challenging to, to do that. I think we did a better job before, but now it's like this little human needs you all the yeah. time. <laughs> and so it's a little bit harder to see in yourself when you really need that break because you're giving so much. Yeah. I think that's magic though, in a relationship, because if your partner can't see that or they take it as something against them, exactly, uh, those are really intense waters to navigate. Yes. And it, I don't know, it's just hard to, you really got to pick your team. You got to recruit wisely. They've, they've got to, <laughs> yeah. they've got to be playing the same level ball with you. Otherwise uh, yes. it's going to be more than therapy that you need. Um, <laughs> no, I'm very fortunate. We've been together yeah almost 15 years and oh wow okay we see things very similarly spiritually when there's a hard decision we're always on the same page and yeah it's it's that trust that we have it's like she knows i love her no matter what yeah and i know she loves me no matter what so if she comes at me and says you need a break i'm like 
Yeah, you're right. I do. I do. I'm I going camping it. with my favorite self. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I just think it's important to talk about because there's so much pressure within relationships or even teams in general to like be together all the time and do this all the time. And it's like, yo, I think that space is so good it's so uh, important. For, for everyone. And we are all individuals at the end of the day. There's yeah. a lot put on teams and I'm very much a team animal in all respects, but also yeah. I'm very much like an individual. Um, and I just, I think that space is not celebrated enough and very deeply misunderstood. So I'm glad to hear you not only exercise it, you champion it. Cause I think that's a powerful message. Absolutely. And I encourage anyone who works with me to do that. Like go take time for, if you need a day off, you need a mental health day, go, go do yeah. it. You come before everybody else. If there's no you, there's nothing out. I mean, what do we do without you? Exactly. You know, so exactly. Well, okay. So we've got three books, which I think that's a lot, uh, in a, a pretty yeah, a pretty quick amount of time, but again, we're championing the varsity masochists within us all. Um, why don't you right. give us a breakdown, creating your heaven on earth and mm -hmm. courage agreeing to disagree is not enough and your brand new book coming out on Albert. Give us, give us like maybe a quick synopsis on all of them, maybe the most on sure. the newest one coming out. Okay. Creating your heaven on earth was in 2008 and um, it was published by an independent press, but it was more or less, I was in a really bad relationship at the time. Okay. And it was actually my way of, it. I kind of wrote my way out of that relationship by writing this book. So it was like everything I believe to be true about life and my experiences so far, and just the you know, basic spiritual principles that I had learned um, over the years. And it, it really got me out of that relationship. So it was a saving grace in a lot of ways. And it really, and it catapulted my, my career and, and helped me get on the journey that I wanted to be on. And then courage agreeing to disagree is not enough was in 2014. It was really at the height of, you know, LGBTQ rights, marriage rights, equal rights in that space. And I was kind of in the middle of that conversation in Mississippi. And so the thing that I kept hearing, well, Megan, I love you, but I disagree with your choice to get married, or I disagree with your lifestyle, or I disagree with this or that. And it just drove me crazy because it didn't mean that you fully loved me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I used it as a point to talk about going beyond agreeing to disagree because we have to go beyond what our opinions are to get to know people. Mm -hmm. And so that was just my way of, of working through those, those times when it was just really hard to navigate hard conversations. And so I wrote it from, from that perspective of just what I was going through. We got married in 2014 in New York city, cause it wasn't legal in Mississippi and okay. just that the process of, of being out here when everyone else, all of our friends were too scared to be out and what that was like and the conversations we had. So that was that one. And then the new one that comes out in April is called held and free. And it's about the concept of feeling held by the universe and um being held by life but also believing in in inner freedom and choosing inner freedom and so it's real actually really a memoir it's a very 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 vulnerable book for me um so i go in deep 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 it took me two years to finish and i'm really excited about it getting out there a little nervous but um yeah i put my heart and soul into it so i'm ex i'm excited about the message that it has Wow. I, well, and again, I were intentional varsity humans. Um, but isn't it funny how like things kind of line up without 
any of the things that you could have controlled. Like it all just, I mean, it's yeah. right on time of pivotal points of equal rights. And uh, like your life transition was happening alongside Absolutely. like our worldly transition. So it's pretty magical when you pull back and you can see how little control we, we really do have. Yeah. Um, and has that been freeing? I mean, I mean, and I guess slightly serendipitous with this book coming out, like that process to your whole freedom, but also being held and protected in some capacity. Uh, was that like a healing journey for you? And like, did that, obviously it's the title of the book, yeah. but like, did that just like, not only make it more true, but like you were like, make the heighten the awareness of that it's happening right here and now. Yes, totally. Like, you give me chills actually. Yeah. That's exactly how it went. It was just, uh, yeah, I, I feel like since about 2018, having my daughter and there was a big transition point for me that I felt in having a family, you know, and being that young kid who came out and not knowing if I'd ever have a family, I, I just didn't have any concepts, you know, and so writing about that experience and everything that I've been through has, has been a very healing conversation for me to have with myself and really dig in and see things for how they really were, what my perception was. And, you know, it's, it's been a toughie to write, but I'm proud of it. I'm so proud of it. Good for you. I, yeah. I can only imagine putting, um, it all out there, but then it's a whole other animal to like promote it. I work with a lot of people who are like, I, I don't want to do Instagram because I don't like my pictures out there. And so like, that is kind of like, that's a process, but then doing a book or like really telling all of your truth is extraordinary. Um, and I'm so curious, perhaps in 10 years we'll reconnect, whether you'll have this piece, this memoir for your daughter at some mm -hmm. point to read, not just to know mom, but like know the human. Have you yeah. thought about that process of like when she picks up these books and she used to see you as a person and not just a mom. Yeah, I, yeah, I have thought about that. And I think it'll be a really great thing for me to leave behind to her. Yeah. She'll understand me in ways that I would never be able to articulate properly. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge gift in that for sure for me. Absolutely. Well, and if you yeah. think all this conversations we were having at 20, 30, 40, these guys are going to be, you know, exposed yeah. to things at 10, 15, 20, and their mm -hmm. world's completely different at 25 yeah. than what it is now. Like, it's pretty amazing. And this is like, I, I am a woman, well, eternal optimist, perhaps blindly some days, but um, I see the power in our kiddos and the openness yeah. and the love and the vulnerability early. Like, you mm -hmm. know, we're moving in the right direction, even if very slowly, their reality is completely different than ours. Do you already see that with a, with a four-year-old? Oh my God, all the time. <laughs> Even yesterday, we were walking outside, we were walking down to the driveway to bring the garbage cans up to the, you know, back up to the carport. And she's walking with me and we're talking about Valentine's being today. And I said, well, Merritt, tell me about, you know, all the people you love in your life. Her name's Merritt. And she's like, I love myself. Hey, see, I was four years like, old. took dang, us 30 years. Dang. <laughs> if I had had that, you know, I'm like, something is being cultivated in her. And I'm really proud of that, uh, you know, like that she, that she knows that language. That yeah. is so cool. Yeah. You're going to save so much money on therapy. Way to go. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I know. No, we all need it. It's just like practice. You got to go do both or sports practice. You got to go do the mental yeah. practice, but yeah. that's magic. I mean, at four years old, like you're a yeah. zero year old that young. Um, but the awareness and like how much feedback they're drinking in and adjusting, Everything. Um, it's yeah. pretty magical and yeah. leaders create leaders. So no surprises. Yeah. She's going to take over the world and 
T minus two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, she last night too, she was like, well, I want to give all my classmates. She's in preschool. I want to give all my classmates, you know, something for Valentine's day. And you know, the typical thing is like a card and a candy. We had cards, but she was like, I want to do more. She goes to her room. She starts pulling out her stuffed animals. Aww. She picked out a stuffed animal for every single little friend in her classroom and attached the little card and gave her stuffed animals away today to her oh, friends. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So she's, uh, that's, uh, level. that's like a mother kid. Teresa level. <laughs> she's so sweet. Oh. She's so sassy too. She's got red hair. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, again, get her in the sports. Let's energize. Let's channel the sass <laughs> yeah, into, exactly. into the she's athletics. A lot. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Well, she's okay. You've, you've done all these amazing things. We've written books. We've had, um, self-actualization, which I know is a continuing process. Uh, speaking the business, I'm really mm -hmm. curious, like what is exciting now? Like, what is the challenge that's going to like light the fire? Impact. Oh, um, I'm so with for you. Okay. Me, it's about, um, bringing the right people together for the right cause and really making something magical, you know, work. You know, especially I was talking to you, you know, we're putting this deal together right now with a big construction conglomeration around mental health and wellness, and then bringing all the players in peace to pull that off and make it effective and efficient. Those types of things are what get me really excited is making a big impact, but involving so many amazing people yeah. in order to actually produce, you know, the outcome. So I love it. I love yeah, it. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, now does this look like it's like a program within like your speaking organization mm -hmm. or is it? Okay. Okay. So it's, it's not additional organizations. No, it's not an additional. Okay. Yeah. It's within the agency that I, that I help run and it's just pulling all of our talent in for their, you know, expertise and yeah. pulling off programs that really mean something. Not, I don't, you know, we represent speakers for gigs, but I really just, what's important to me is that we represent speakers who want to serve. Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of people that we work with and the kind of opportunities that I look for on that side of things are things where we can really make an impact. I, I love that. And I actually think because you're seeing like the transition in the leadership and we're humanizing leadership. And I mean, basically everything I work with a lot of brands and we're humanizing the brand, et cetera. Um, because people want to see the truth. Like all this smoke and mirrors is just it's taboo at this point. And even if they don't believe me, they're going to get, you know, they'll be extinct sooner or later. So that's fine. Um, it, it, it's just, everything's yeah. getting so much more real and so much more powerful. Um, mm -hmm. and I think we are getting better about like building the team versus trying to do everything ourselves. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the language of, um, I just made note. Um, let me see where I read it. Mission focused organizations an organization that leads to win has four distinctive characteristics. Um, mm -hmm. we're running close on our time, but I think this is really great because mission driven humans was implanted in my mind. I did a lot with charity work, but the mission driven thing, a lot of people, they're still, they don't really understand it. Um, but it's basically people pursuing their purpose through their sport, their, their um, profession, whatever. Why, how did this come to you? Why does this make sense um, for mission focused organizations? It's kind of the same concept. It's like um, companies like Bombas who, you know, yes. who sell these amazing socks, but really the mission is to give socks to people who are homeless, who don't have socks. So I love that businesses are being built to make a difference. And I, I think that's obviously the new way that's been happening is that social impact. And so that's when I talk about, when I talk about mission-driven organizations who are driven by a mission. So have created a product to fill that mission. 
I feel like that's the way that the, the corporate space is really shifting into, and people are kind of like butting up against that, but that's what people want. Absolutely. I love it because our kiddos will look on the phone and be like, oh, this gives back to a women's rights foundation or it gets back to like our kiddos are the conscious consumers. So if CEOs and stuff aren't listening, we'll go ahead and don't listen. Uh, But the the, consumers are going to navigate right around it and intentionally go to those Mm -hmm. companies doing it right. Um, So I love that you're in it. Uh, I have a hundred more questions for you, but we are coming up on time. Is <laughs> is there anything else you want us to share? Uh, the things are coming up. Anything else about the book, the business, the family, wisdom in general? Uh, I would just say um, book's coming out in April and it's called Held and Free and be on the lookout for that. And got a lot planned for the month of April. It's going to be exhausting, but a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to get this book out there. So yeah. that's really the, you know, at the forefront of my own personal brand right now is, is just really making sure that it gets the, um, the attention it does. I feel like it deserves. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, in my opinion, I think the most important, well, one of the most important qualities in leaderships is, in leadership is walking in it and just showing why you are credible and speaking your truth. And I think once that's established, everything else can flow from yeah. there because people buy in and they believe you. So yeah. I really accredit you and all the gold stars from my end for, um, doing all the business and stuff, but like then just doing the truth and putting it on paper and putting it out there. I think that will be, uh, a massive game changer. So I don't even know what, thank you. I think it'll be big. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll definitely keep in touch all things, mission driven, everything. I will keep in touch with you. I even want to look up like your speaking agency. I have some laps to run in that area before we jump on the big stage. But, uh, I I love like the energy and just the, the chasing of impact. I think that's Mm -hmm. amazing. I would love to see you. I'm just going to put this into universe on like Hoda and Jenna or one of those morning live shows or something like that. Is that, are you a manifester? Yes. Are any of those appealing or is that all basic bill that I just threw at you? <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So my book launch actually, so my agent, um, she got, so in the second week of April, the book is going to be on the NASDAQ billboard in times square okay. and I'll be, uh, ringing the bell at the stocks exchange What? and she's trying to get me on GM- GMA. So I'm calling that one in. Cause I think that'd be a lot of fun. Let's yeah. go. Okay. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited. So we'll kick off the book launch like that, which I can't think of any other better way. So I was gonna say I was yeah. I was too I was setting the bar way too low for you right there. I should have known. <laughs> uh, we should have gone like Madonna and Oprah status over here. Let's go. But, yes, yes. Brene Brown. <laughs> Please build this team. I'm here for this. Yeah. Um, I'll be the water girl, whatever that team looks like. <laughs> we'll, we'll come through um in some capacity. But yeah. But I love it. There's big things. Let's try and reconnect. I do like to have guests on again, like you make six months in a year or something, just to see okay. how stuff went. And especially if you're like right on the cusp of uh, a big wave coming in, just to check in and, and see what the vibes are and yeah, see how they I would love to. That sounds great. This cool. has been fun. Yes. Um, hit us really quick. I'll of course put it in there, but social media handles, anything or uh, websites you want people to come hit you up. The website, it's got all my social on it. MeganOnan.com. M-E-A-G-A-N-O-N-A-N dot com you can find everything you could possibly want there about there you me. go yeah. future link to her good morning america appearance so be ready for that <laughs> on the website megan i appreciate your time and energy thank um, you so much i can't wait to see what's next no me too yes <laughs> thank you thank you 
Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.